Hello and welcome to tonight's episode of Myths and Stories, Destiny 2 Lore Podcast. Uh, tonight we are continuing our never-ending story of the Awoken. Uh, although we we are getting we're getting close to the end, we promise. Uh, we were just saying, as much fun as it is to invest uh, investigate the Awoken story, we're we're ready to move on to some new stuff here in another episode or two. So, uh, but last time. We left off with kind of an ominous, uh, cryptic message that was on the Telesto uh, lore card, um, which was a, a message to Petra telling her that the prince is not to be trusted. You you said the word. You said I Telesto. I did. We we promised we wouldn't say it this episode. <laughs> now we have. Okay. Now you got to throw the salt over your shoulder and go outside and turn around and spit all that. Got to get, got to get a smudge stick and run around the house. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> okay, okay. Now you're just being silly. <laughs> That's too far. Yes, clearly. That is that was yeah no that no. <laughs> but yeah, Mar Mara's back in the picture. She's gotten her body back, or she's recreated her body. Um, her her throne has been shattered. Uh, like you said mm-hmm. with Telesto, there's an ominous warning about. Don't trust, don't trust the crow. (laughs) With that in mind, a lot of the stuff we talk about tonight is going to be very Aldrin based. What is Aldrin doing uh, post death of Mara? Um, Because he doesn't know the events that happened in that we described in the Reverie Dawn sets. Um, He and most of the Awoken at this point assume that Mara is dead and gone and they're trying to, to figure out what that means for them. Uh, for Aldrin, it means a slow spiral into madness, essentially, uh, and we're we're going to oh, be yeah. along for that roller coaster of a ride tonight. Uh, but before we get into the Aldrin specific things, the first card we're going to read tonight is actually going to be in reference to an Awoken named Illin. Uh, we've discussed Illin a little bit before. Uh, essentially, Ilan is a Techian. I believe maybe the head Techian at the time. I think so. Uh, and Ilan is important because of uh, what they and a number of other Techians attempt um, post the Taken War. Uh, and they... Uh, we're we're going to read through this card and then we've got a couple of theories as to how this may relate to what ends up happening with Aldrin. Um so, without further ado, this is the Ilin card from the book The Awoken of the Reef and it goes like this. In the bomb-walled passages of the place called Process and Services, the screams have stopped. I've never heard it quiet before, Lucille whispers. Are they gone? But she knows, as Portia and Nassia know, as Ilan herself knows, that the Taken have not gone. Not very long ago, processes and services was the place Ilan and her sisters came to make the desolates, items of technology imbued with the husk-dry power of Oryx's Taken. Ilan was the first to stand as living conduit, the first of the Techians to use that deep interior fault line, that fundamental awoken schism as a bridge. 
she remembers the endless, awful, infinitely malicious screams of the things. But she also remembers the whispers. And if the screams are silent now, the whispers are louder than ever. Quickly, Ilan hisses, before Petra is informed. Any breach of processes and services triggers an alert, and while they were crafty in their intrusion, even minute body heat and motion of the air will be detected. We must ask our questions and go. Brave Portia leads them to the cell she selected for their use, a vacuum-gaped sphere of relic iron coated inside and out by signal-deadening spinfoil. It hovers in suspension, a black miniature traveler, a pearl formed around a hideous interior flaw. Illin opens a needle-thin access port. The stink of ozone rolls out. There is a taken vandal within, flexing and shuddering through nameless permutations of blissful agony. Nasia, she whispers. Quiet, precise, Nasia slips a whisper of cable into the port, guiding it through impossible twists and encrypted locks with the caress of her augment's fields. Ilan rubs her temples. The whispers are loud here. The whispers that haunt the place where their queen's voice once sounded. Whispers which sound so much like missing Shiro Chi and the others from the queen's flagship. They should have seen self-gated to the dreaming city if the battle went wrong. They should have come home safe. What if they need help? What if Petra has kept their fate from Illin? Would she do that? Petra, Coven's daughter, raised by the witches? Things have not been easy between the regent commander and the Techians. Ready. Nasia offers a splayed end of the cable to them. Be careful, all of you. Their augments sink in a stutter of light, like a sunbeam passing over a field of diamonds. Inquisitive Lycelle forms the first question. Do you hear us? The viper strike rush of the taken thing's will comes at them. It is powerful, but familiar. Ilan deflects its demand. I think it hears us, she says with a grim chuckle. We know taken too well, don't we? There were fears once that the Guardians would be appalled by the Taken-empowered armor, but Petra was right. Guardians will wear anything that gives them power, whether tactical or social. Together, they unfold the Taken Thing's brutally elegant interior geometries, seeking the threads of connection that reach out across space and time. Shiro, Ilan whispers, we have heard you. Do you hear us? And that is when she makes the fatal mistake. She thinks of the time before Saturn. She thinks of Shiro Chi and Aldrin and Mara. She wants that time back. She wants. And in the non-space around them, great jaws snap shut. Riven! Brave Portia screams, Illin was prepared for taken, folded, perfect things, elegant and thus manageable. But this absolute appetite, this impossible will. She speaks the secret word of stasis that will crash their augments and end the communion. She does not know if she's in time. Quiet Nasia is screaming. Inquisitive Lysela is screaming. 
the screaming has begun again. And that's the end of that lore card. So there's a there's a, a very important reason why we wanted to include this lore card. Uh and it's it's a majority of this lore card is just them trying to get a hold of Shirochi of of I'm assuming Kali as well and and Mara and everything cuz like and and we explained this in depth last episode after the taken battle at Saturn <laughs> I keep calling it a, the battle of Saturn the desecration of the awoken fleet yeah. at Saturn there was no battle it was a one-sided blip um the the awoken people are very uh, scattered. They 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 really don't have a clue what the hell's going on. They're trying to piece everything together. Petra kind of gets ushered in as as regent, just kind of like, okay, well, screw it. She's commander now. She's regent. Let's go. Okay, we need to keep a chain of command going. Aldrin's lost. They don't know what Aldrin's up to because he's crashed out in Mars, and Aldrin's separated from everyone else, so he thinks everyone else is dead. Uh, but there was something in those entries of when he first crashed on Mars that we talked about last episode to kind of keep in your mind that he had an itch in his eye, a blink in his eye. And, 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 and he kept trying to blink and get it to us to, to leave his eye. And myth and I were trying to find out where, because the blink in the eye is, is, a, is it's going to come into play tonight. And I, and I don't want to just come right out and say it. Uh, but the blink in the eye is a connection uh, between Aldrin and an entity that we had talked about, we've talked about before, and is mentioned here. Um, and towards the end of this this reading, um, Ilan, you know, Ilan's trying to get a hold of of Shiro through the Taken. Like maybe maybe there can be a connection that can be made through this Taken perfect folded thing with no will and and Shiro or whatever. And something happens. She makes a fatal mistake. She thinks of a time before Saturn. She thinks of Shirochi, Aldrin, and Mara. She wants that time back. In the non-space around them, the Great Jaws snap shut, the Great Jaws being the Jaws of Riven. And we know that Riven uh, was taken, uh, presumably by Oryx. Or not presumably, I think we said it last episode, she was taken by Oryx. Uh, all the all the taken that are in the dreaming city uh, that they you know they had cleared out of this area at least once and now have captured one and are trying to make a, a connection with it. Uh, all of that was there because of uh, Oryx because Oryx is the only entity, at, at least the only entity that I know of that has used the power to take ever. I can't myth. Can you think of a, of a just off the top of your head another entity that's ever taken i mean the the one that is up for contention that is never any confirmation on would be quaria yep. via a simulation yep. of oryx but he, that as far as i know that is speculation and there's like circumstantial evidence that points to that but we never get confirmation that that happens so Knowing that Riven is taken, like we we as players know that now because we've been through, or some of us have been th- have been lucky enough to go through the Last Wish raid. Uh, and when you get to the end of it, it's Riven's there. Like that's the whole point that you're is to kill Riven, and she is taken. And so the fact that she has no will of her own anymore by being taken, she's just going to grant wishes willy nilly. 
We also know in the past that Mara specifically forbade Uldren from having any contact with Riven because of how how feedable Riven was off of Uldren's wants. And so this was this was the entry here that that Myth and I thought of, and we thought this is the only way that Riven and Uldren could have had some type of connection, because we know that Wish Magic is, <laughs> for lack of a better term, fucky, uh, <laughs> and so for sheer for Illin to want, and then for Riven to feed off of that want. Now there's there's a way for that to now now there's a a desire now there's a want now there's now there's a feeding that can happen and the wish can commence and so in in monkey paw wish magic that Ahamkara magic is that's where the connection to Uldren starts and that's the that's the 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 blinking in his eye the sand in his eye um, that he can't blink away uh, while he's roaming around. Uh, the deserts of Mars. Yeah. So, uh, and the the fact that Ilan specifically wanted, and and in her want, she named in her head, presumably, uh, Shirochi, who is taken at this point and is serving as bodyguard to Riven, kind of within the the last yep. wish raid, um, and. Mara and Aldrin, like those three names specifically, uh, and by nature of connecting them in her mind, in her desire, we're theorizing that she's connecting the wish to one or more of those people in in doing this. And I'm curious too if if part of that wish, like her wanting Mara, was that actually an inadvertent helped for Mara so Mara could reform herself in a physical aspect like did Mara fully because we asked this question last time is Mara a god now like has she has she ascended past awokenness and is part of this wish her naming Mara specifically is that what helps Mara form her body out of more than just will it will alone maybe um I mean we we won't have a way to know uh, unless yeah. Riven were to explicitly say like, oh yeah, this is, this is how I granted X, Y, Z, which she doesn't and she won't cause she did. She uh, did. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, it's worth thinking about like, it, and that's the thing with, with Ahamkara wishes, the potential for butterfly effect is so large in some cases, it's hard to know what was touched and what wasn't. It's it's literally like Bungie's perfect answer for something when they're just like, well, how do you want to explain this? I don't know. Riven, Riven, <laughs> Ahamkara magic, yeah. go. For some vex <laughs> like, reason, Ahamkara. For some vex, I was gonna say, for some vex <laughs> reason, it fucking Tolan. Also, Ahamkara. There. Now we've explained the entirety of Destiny. Shows over. We go home. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's the main reason why we wanted to call this card out here. Like, as far as like what's happening in the card, not not super important. But that ending there, that last bit of it, connecting Aldrin and Riven, and that's that's going to be kind of the key thing going through all of the all of the cards that we read tonight. Yeah. So um, to give a 
you know, give a very brief explanation of what's happening in the rest of the card. Essentially, these are just uh, Ilan and a few Techians are going kind of under Petra's nose to uh, use this captured Taken as a conduit to try and get out to um, presumably like the Taken. I don't, I don't know that hive mind is the right word, but um, the, I, I they're like shared consciousness. Like the consciousness? Yeah. 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 Uh, to try and track down in this case, Shirochi. Uh, and Ilan, because as we've said before, Amara didn't tell anyone all of the plan or, you know, even some of the plan for, for some people. Uh, Ilan apparently did not know what Mara's plan was and is perplexed as to why the uh, Techians that were with her wouldn't have just, like, portaled everyone back out to the Dreaming City. Um, what she doesn't know is that they did do that minus Mara and the hesitation in leaving Mara behind is what caused the dreaming city and all of them there to, to fall to Oryx. Uh, but that's, that's all she's doing. She's trying to covertly uh, through means Petra would not uh, approve of find information on these missing Techians. But so with that in mind, this connection that's been made with, with this wish that we're theorizing has been made with this wish. Uh, we're going to move on to the next lore card. Um, so while maybe not exactly at the same time, but uh, while Ilan is dealing and the Techians are dealing with finding answers in their way, um, we also see that Petra now is being forced to uh, play diplomat which she is not uh, particularly keen on doing and uh, is not particularly confident in herself in some, some regards. So we're going to take a, a look at uh, Petra and some of the things she has, she has been doing um, post-Taken War, uh, specifically with the Tower in this case. So this card is uh, Refusal, which is also from the lore book, The Awoken of the Reef. And it goes like this. Petra has her welcome for Zavala all planned out. He will say something stentorian, which, while it is technically a greeting, Petra will also read as reproach or condescension, ah, condescension, or perhaps paternal concern. Petra will smirk at Zavala while she really doesn't care, so that he knows he's nobody, a little guy, a bureaucrat, far beneath her anger. But at this exact moment, a, share, a shard of cyanide-laced ice from far reaches of the Oort cloud will penetrate the reef's ravaged defenses and smash into Zavala with such velocity that he becomes a thin ooze across the floor. When Zavala's ghost begins to rebuild him, Petra will say smoothly, No, allow me, and she will brandish a mop. The hatch opens, and Cade Six backs his way through, talking to Zavala. Whatever you've seen, whatever you've read, it's worse. These people need our... Cade. Petra half-consciously adopts Mara's fey remove. Her insocient and remote posture. Her throat jams up, and she actually coughs aloud against the sudden grief. You brought... 
Zavala grinds his way into the room, an obelisk of city stone extruded across the solar system to invade Petra's space. He very politely answers Cade before turning to her. The fact is, Cade, the queen did us a favor by leaving the reef in chaos. As long as the fallen are here killing each other, we have room to rebuild. Now he nods to Petra. Regent Commander, pleased to see you well. Likewise, I'm sure. Petra feels in her heart that the queen saw the reef as a protector of Earth and its people, if perhaps not a protector of the traveler. It still kills her to hear Zavala speak openly of the reef as a distraction. Cade had a proposal, she says, that he wanted us to both hear. Yes, I did. Cade prances between them like a flare meant to draw the draw off the heat-seeking fury passing between Petra and Zavala. The city's fall drove him deep into his gesture, jester persona. Devil may care and fancy free. He hasn't quite recovered. It's like this, Petra. We're bringing a lot of Earth's lonely people into the arms of the city. I got to talking to Varix about the situation out here, and I figured, hey, maybe it's time we extend that policy to you. He sobers. I want to invite the Reef Awoken into the city. Abandon this place to Varix, to Dead Orbit, to whoever wants it. It's hell out here, Petra. You won't survive. Zavala's eyes locked on Petra. He burns with a magnificent power. Does the Regent Commander have enough control over the Reef to execute a withdrawal? Despite your best efforts, Petra snaps. And then suddenly she can't stop. She's too furious, too hot with grief. At least Cade is honorable enough to acknowledge what you've done to us. Every fallen house you shatter washes up on our shores. Every hive god and cabal tyrant you attract goes through us to get to you. No wonder she couldn't stand the sight of you, Zavala. You've forsaken your people. She bites back the rest. How she wishes that back in 2000 and whatever, when the darkness hurled mankind off the height of its golden age to plummet 16 centuries into barbarism, it had done just a slightly better job. That's not true. That's her broken heart talking. But oh, does it talk loud. She was a charlatan, Zavala says quietly, fighting a war that existed only in her mind dragging you all behind her. Any of you who who will admit that are welcome in my city, but I will not take in whatever conspiracies she left unfinished. If you come to us, you come to join the city. No. No. Stop being the queen's people? Stop remembering her promise? You're afraid, Petra tells the titan of titans. That's why she can never trust you. Go back to your traveler, Zavala. Thank you for your concern, Cade, but the reef has its own purposes, and you would mourn your foolishness if we abandoned them. Petra. They are the purposes, she snarls, intended by our queen. And that's the end of that lore card. Petra's a bit of a spicy commander, eh? (laughs) 
I, I I do love this because like she I love that whole entry like she's got this whole thing planned out like you know she obviously since the since the desecration at Saturn like the the awoken people are just kind of out here in the reef just doing whatever they can to survive and the 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 people of the city know this like and and this this is kind of like all the way you know there's there's all these like depths or debts that have been happening back and forth right like mara when when they first brought them back through the distributary was like we have a debt to the to the whatever we left here to the soul system whatever the the city thinks oh well you know we kind of have a debt to the awoken because of their of their distraction on the reef of of distracting the fallen houses that had to go through them to get to earth um so yeah so there's there's all this like back and forth between the 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 people of the reef and the and the last city and so you know petra always looks at zavala as like this super stern like whatever who cares screw this guy i don't care if he's the the titan of titans or whatever he's nothing compared to what the queen of the awoken and and now me her thing of herself the the regent commander is of the awoken and then all of that just gets kind of flushed down the toilet when Kate, when she sees Cade kind of like prancing out in his little happy go lucky, like hey hey what's up what's going on baby, uh attitude, um <laughs> so yeah, um kind of throws her off her off her beat and she doesn't really like she's having a hard time kind of recovering from that, and then Cade just comes right out and says it you know hey I I. I know that there are people out here that are in need. Like it's, it's going to be throughout the so many years that the awoken have been in the reef. They've been losing people. It's been a losing um, existence. I, I, I I don't want to call it a losing survival because it's, it's not, it's, it's very much a, a, a losing existence out here on the reef. And uh, so, you know, they're open, open arms. Like, Hey, anybody you got, bring them with and Zavala kind of like is like okay that like yes but you leave all your dogmas of the of being awoken and being of the queen and all that stuff here like you know you don't bring it if you come to the city you are you are city you're you're part of the last city you are of us we are one people now we are we're not going to be of the reef and of the earth and of the city and of the sky whatever we're all one people fighting back the darkness and uh you know obviously that kind of like sets (laughs) petra off you know like hey fuck you zavala (laughs) like that's (laughs) that's pretty much what comes out of petra's mouth (laughs) yeah I, i think it's worth making an observation here Zavala, even in recent, uh, you know, even in Witch Queen and and whatnot, he's never said we're building up to resist the darkness. Right. It's only ever been we are building up to protect the city, the last city of humanity and the people that are in it. Oh, interesting. I've never thought of it like that. So I don't think Zavala has these grand ideals of we're going to build up a guardian armada and we're going to take it to the witness. I think the only reason he cares about the witness is because he knows the witness intends to wipe them out. If I do wonder 
if the witness were coming and told them, you know, or they learned somehow like, hey, I'm going to come to the soul system. I'm going to completely eradicate the Awoken and I'm going to leave. And you guys, you know, I'm never going to come back and mess with you guys. I don't know that Zavala would step in to stop that. Uh, That's true. Not because he, and I, I'm not trying to paint him as like an evil figure or, or, uh, or anything, but from Zavala's point of view, who has lived centuries of warfare and centuries of death, he sees and has Mara and the, the reef born awoken essentially as a cult. Mara yep. was this this figurehead that spun these tales and brainwashed people into following her to fight these wars that in his in his view are only in her own mind. And Absolutely. Uh, he sees these people as like they're they're just they're following a cult leader dogma and they just happen to have power you know power and haven't been aggressive towards us so we just kind of let them be there and take some hits for us every now and then. Uh, Absolutely. And now on, on Petra's side of things, she knows that Mara's whole thing, the Awoken's whole thing has always been like, we are here to be the ultimate shield between humanity and whatever else is out there. They go about it in a very different way. Uh, but that that's their end goal. And to have somebody of that group that you are protecting a leader of that group you are protecting be so dismissive of all the sacrifices that they have made on their end uh and for that leader to be none other than awoken themselves that was going to be a point that i was going to make like zavala is an awoken like yeah that's kind of a giant middle finger to petra and so for 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 Zavala to throw that middle finger at Petra and to Petra be like, well, fuck you, like that's one hundred percent justifiable on Petra's end. Yeah, I mean, I can see where both of them are coming from in this conversation. Uh, sure. It, and I don't I don't think they were ever going to come to an agreement. Is what it comes down yeah. to. Like it just they're they're both very set in what their viewpoint is at this point in time. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's, it's ever been a secret even now in game. Zavala does not hold any love for, for Mara or her ideas. Uh, he recognizes that she has information that he does not in some cases, but he has never really trusted or respected her. Not at all. Not one bit. He he, and I like I like your I like your comparison of Mara to a cult leader because that I, that's absolutely what Zavala sees her as, like just this, you know, who is you know who is this random person who's come? Because even though even though Zavala is awoken, he's a guardian, so he's lost all of his memories of being awoken. So the only thing he has is centuries of fighting, and he we know. Especially through the most recent uh, um, uh, seasonal stuff, uh, that Zavala was one of the original, um, uh, not not warlord, risen, not no not risen. Uh, would he have been a would he? 
I guess I guess what what did they call him? Post Iron Lord. Uh, like between between Iron Lord and Guardian kind of and thing? Guardian, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that was when the term Guardian was coined when they started building the the last city. Um, maybe perhaps yeah, I don't know. Perhaps it was it, they were unnamed. They were just light bearers or or whatever. Interesting. I've ne- I guess I've never thought of it till that exact moment. But yeah, like when they first started being raised as guard as, as from with ghosts, they were called Risen, and then came the the warlords, and then that was a whole thing, and then came the Iron Lords out of the warlords to say, hey, we need to bring order to this place, and then started to kind of evolve into the what we know today as Guardians. Um, but yeah, like. Yeah, I, I can definitely see him seeing her as that. And then there's there's one one little bit here, one little one little sentence long deal. Um, how she wishes that back in two thousand and whatever, when the darkness hurled mankind off the height of its golden age to plummet sixteen centuries into barbar barbarism, it gives us a little bit of a time frame of where we're of of how long something lasted like we still have no idea what point in time destiny takes place like we know from the original like uh um uh marketing stuff uh the very very first uh um cut scene that was like the three the cosmonaut the astronaut and the tech techonaut i think that's what the third one was uh on Mars, like that was supposed to be like 2014. Like yeah, that was launch day of the game. Yep, and and like on the news was like, oh my god, there's this big ball over Mars. We have no idea what the hell it is. And then it goes into the whole spiel, you know, lifetime tripled all that stuff, whatever. So, 16 centuries of Dark Age, 16, uh, 1,600 years of. Mankind of risen and warlords and death and darkness and crap. Like the world's been in quite a, quite a bit of a turmoil for quite a bit of time before the Awoken were managed to make it back. Because again, remember the Awoken came from that time frame, and presumably Petra could have actually remembered when two thousand and whatever was. She could have, although it's worth pointing out there are awoken at this point that were born in the reef as well as That's born true. in the city or, or on earth and she was being trained as a as a techian for a little while so she could she could be a fairly uh young awoken yeah i i get the the inclination that petra was born in the reef i i think she is okay young she she is uh not from the distributary originally i think she was born in the soul system Okay. Uh, and I guess that brings up another quick question. Do we know if, if Awoken that were born outside of the distributary are still immortal? Um, well, no, because leaving the distributary, none of them are immortal. Right. right. Oh. Like, they're still... They, but they would. They don't, like... It's not like a rapid age thing, right? Like, they spent 12.1 billion years in there, and then they come out, and they're like, oh, my God, now your body is 12.1 billion years old. Boop, now you're dust. No, they, they just age at a normal pace now. Yeah, and that's that's a little wonky as well, to be honest. Um, 
Because like Tyra Karn, like right, Tyra's been around a while. She, um, but she, but she even looks like an older. Right, she looks uh, elderly. Uh, right, but you think about Aldrin and Mara. Um, you know, prior to Mara remaking herself and Aldrin becoming Crow, they still look, you know, fairly young. You know, right. 20s or 30s, perhaps. Uh, and they lived through the distributary, which they were immortal for, but then a good number of years outside of it when they first entered the soul system. So it might just be that they they age now, but it's slowly, perhaps. I, I'm not yeah, right. I'm not sure. They never we never get exact answers on that. But, I know. I'm trying to break down anatomy of an awoken in a, yeah, <laughs> in a get, video it's game. It's like just fucking because video game it. It's fine. <laughs> like, I get it. I know. Yeah. That's the that's the ultimate answer there. But no, I just thought it was neat that even Petra has like this kind of idea of like how long the dark age lasted yeah. and this to my recollection recollection this is the only reference of it the only one that comes to mind for me yeah yeah so i just i just thought it was a neat point to it is to see there it's a it's an interesting so, yeah. little little blip um, so petra refuses the uh the mocking titan of the titans zavala and his quote-unquote offer yeah <laughs> she's not impressed but what this card does go to show is that the awoken are in real dire straits at this point for for Cade, as well-intentioned as he was to go out of his way to convince zavala to come meet petra to offer safe harbor for her people must mean that the reef is really really bad right now yeah even though she refused him. Uh, so we know the reef is in a bad spot. And we know that Aldrin previously was on Mars trying to get off of Mars uh, with the intention of, of finding his sister because he was driven by this like this manic idea that she has to be out there still. She has to be out there. Uh, and so we're going to return to what has been happening to Aldrin. And we're going to stick with him for quite a while here. Uh, probably the remainder of this episode. But just keep in the back of your head kind of the current climate in the reef. Like people are desperate and desolate and the Awoken Kingdom doesn't really exist anymore. Or Queendom, I suppose. Doesn't really exist anymore in the way it did. Uh, so with all that in mind, we're going to focus back in on Aldrin. We're going to start with a D1 Grimoire card entitled Ghost Fragment The Reef 4. And it goes like this. He let his captors drag him through the dirt. His arms ached. Two hands wrapped around each bicep like iron bands. He slumped and the toes of his scuffed boots bumped over the stones and left trails in the dust. He kept his eyes low, a ragged and stained cloak hanging over his face. It was not a position to which he was accustomed. They debased him, they abused him, they bit the, he bit the inside of his cheek until the blood filled his mouth. He struggled not to resist. They needed to believe he was broken, that he wasn't a threat. 
It was the only way they would bring him before their kel. He'd spent weeks weaving the illusion that led the fallen to him. He'd left bits of his trail where they couldn't help but find them. He'd skulked from planet to planet, Mars and then Venus and then Mercury and then back again, following rumors and whispers. He'd hid from the guardians, from his own people. He'd let everything they had, he'd let everything they had built fall apart, while those still loyal to him searched every inch of this forsaken system. Now it was time to stop searching and start building. He would need soldiers who answered to him and no one else, bodies to shape with will and magic and tech to his needs. These would serve. He thought they would take him to a catch, but they were deep underground, not near the Cosmodrome, but it didn't matter. He'd never been particularly concerned with the geography of this blasted world. It was not his home. So he bent his head low and listened to the guttural string of hisses and clicks issued from the maw of a would-be king in yellow, a broken ruler of a broken house, and the last of his kind. They were more alike than he cared to admit. When the creature's anger had burnt itself out, he raised his head to look at it. He did not need to speak. One kel rises, and another bends its knee and the prince felt the little hum of starlight ripple through him, the one that let him know she would be pleased with what he had done. And that's the end of that lore card. But before we do any discussion on it, I want to actually roll right into the next one, because uh, it's just a literal continuation, despite being written many years later. I was going to say, even looking at the entry for the next one, like it, it's, it just starts right where that one ends. Yeah, it's actually really cool to think that the original card that I just read came from the Age of Triumph, which was the last uh, kind of six months of Destiny 1. And this next card, which is Kings um, from the book The Forsaken Prince, came out in Forsaken, which was, I think, three years later year two? yeah at least at least three years later because that was year two of year two of, of destiny. destiny two destiny two yeah so but the king's card goes like this when at last they drag him before the kel he has already been transformed by weeks of abuse weeks of beatings and forced runs and animal pen conditions into a happy man the mighty Kel of Kings tells him clearly, but not concisely, what it thinks of him. Prince Aldrin of a ruined house, lesser of two siblings, bested by Skolas, blinded by Variks less than Dreg, squanderer of fleets, last of the awoken nobility, last of his kind. When Aldrin looks up at him, he doesn't even need to speak the truth. The Kel of Kings has named Aldrin, and in doing so, is named itself, the broken ruler of a broken house, the last Kel. You can do what I cannot, the Kel tells Aldrin. You broken, beaten thing, you have no pride, so you will lose nothing when you give the word that must be given. It is twilight for the fallen, and we must lay our banners down. 
and to the groaned and growled protests of its court, the Kell of Kings kneels to Aldrin. I bow to thee, it says, for in thy downfall and disgrace thou bearest the weakness we cannot. Thou shalt tell the Elixni to tear off their banners. Thou shalt tell them that we must all surrender to each other. We must give up our rivalries, or we will not survive. Whilst thou do this for one dying people, prince of another? He will do it. He will gain soldiers and ships and resources to begin the search. He found them. He himself, by risking everything and surviving, as he always does. He feels her in his heart. She's still out there. She needs him more than ever. In the pit of his suffering, her voice came clearly to him, like the way she once appeared to him while he was being beaten to a pulp in a zero-G brawl. She is out there waiting for him. And everything will be all right. He will be there for her. It will be all right. And that's the end of that card. What a, what a, what a, God, broken man. But, I mean, he got exactly what he needed. He got the, he's, he's going to be able to, so, so I, man, I don't have a lot of questions to this. The main question is, do we know who this Kel is? Um, it's not a Kel that we have met before in game. Uh, I don't know if he is named, to be honest, although he does come up in a number of the cards that we're going to read tonight. Uh, so we, we may, his name may come up there. Um, but in, in short, although Aldrin is, you know, clearly not thinking straight, he's still very intelligent when it comes to strategy and when it comes to deception. Um, Absolutely. Looking at the, the previous Grimoire card, he has intentionally been leading this trail uh, to, and, and leaving rumors and little whispers here and there to make these fallen f- want to hunt him and then end up being able to find him, all with the intention of him uh, taking on the, the role of their commander. This is very much like him, uh, again, the, 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 the truest, deepest form of Holdren Sov, the man who who measures himself by what he can survive. Mm-hmm. No, he's still doing it, and uh, in this case, he again, it just he has this such an innate knowledge and cleverness to know the uh, Elixni enough to know their culture enough within the soul system to know that like. The Elixni could never surrender to one another. It's just not in them to do it. Whether they think it's best for their people or not, they would never surrender to one another. But they would perhaps surrender to someone that is outside of their people and use that outside person as the, you know, the point to draw all the houses together. And that's what the Kell of Kings is proposing to Aldrin. He's saying, like, I cannot, my my pride and 
uh, the pride of my house will not allow me to merge my house with another. But if we put you above all other Kells, that will be a way for us to all consolidate. Because that's a that's an interesting point to make. There is that a Kell is not a the Kell position is taken. Like a, another Lixney comes in and and declares themselves like right. They, basically beat the other person and and say i am the new kel i'm the new leader of this house and there's so many different houses i'm assuming this is kel of kings house kings house of kings yeah the house of kings yep yep uh and he even says like uh you know we we can't survive like this we is the like it's the twilight for the fallen and we really need to just combine our resources and consolidate and be unified under one banner um and he's like he sees prince aldrin as in the same position but with a hell of a lot more what tenacity i guess survivability i i don't know like it 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 kind of blows my mind like what what does this kell of kings see in aldrin that would would even make him think I I can bow to this person. I can I can kneel to this this broken beaten thing and call it my Kel. Well, and I think that's the distinction. He's not calling Aldrin his Kel. Um and he ah. doesn't believe I I my my takeaway from it is he doesn't believe that Aldrin is uh is the the right person for this because he's so powerful or because he's this bastion of leadership quite the opposite he believes aldrin is the right person for this because um he knows what it's like to be a part of a a race that is facing extinction and he has no shame and he has no pride and by because of that he's willing to do whatever it takes to keep the people that are under him alive so long as they align with what he wants. I like that. I really like that that train of thought. I man, this this is this is why this is why you get the better theories. <laughs> I mean from from the Kell of King's point of view, he's like, well we can keep doing what we're going to, what the Elixir have always done, have little fights with each other, uh, never have a singular leader and eventually just peter out of existence. Or we can at least continue to exist consolidated under one house. And this, this guy may not be the best leader, but at least we'll be alive. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the point of view that they're they're approaching it from. I like it. And on Aldrin's side of things, this is exactly what he wanted. He it gives him an army, it gives him control yep. uh, and access to, to tech and ships and all of these things. Um, and he believes somewhere deep down that like this is the path to find Mara. This is what I'm supposed to do to to find her, and that she would be proud of the decisions he's making yeah so with that mindset 
with with Aldrin's mindset of like that this is what Mara would want. Um we're going to go into the next chapter of this book The Forsaken Prince which is entitled Fanatic Part 1 and it goes like this. She's been silent too long. The whole solar system groans with the bruises of war. Aldrin lives in constant suffering, a numb, scowling pain that drives him to ether and worse distractions. He's never felt the light this strong. He's never known pain so deep. How many centuries with his sister? And how quickly he's disintegrated without her? Why won't she speak to him? The reef burns around him. Shattered asteroids and cracked habitats spill bright flakes of debris. There's nothing quite so stark and brilliant as sunlight wreckage in vacuum. The reef is huge, huge but dense, too. Its structures and people gather in tight clusters against the vastness of space. Oryx and the Red Legion ripped great holes in the, si- in the reef. Oh, if only Aldrin had told Petra that Torog's broken legion was a Trojan horse. But Aldrin has nothing to give to a regent who surrenders her people to the Traveler. She's always wanted Mara's approval, little Petra. Always wanted to integrate herself. But she's never understood what Mara respects. She's never been willing to take the hard road to Mara's trust. That's why Mara doesn't speak to Petra. But Mara's not been speaking to Aldrin, either. He kicks off the wretched hull of the corvette. He and the kings have been raiding the asteroid belt, knocking out shipping headed for Earth, trying to further destabilize the reef. Aldrin has killed his own subjects, and at first that left him wretched with guilt, curled up in the hard cell where he sleeps. But didn't Mara lead thousands of her subjects to their deaths for a still enigmatic greater good? How is this any different? She's always intended her people for the altar. The Awoken are pawns in her design. It's up to Aldrin to set that design back on track. Mara, he shouts up out into the starlight. He has come too far to beg now. He has done too much. He demands her answer. I'm not angry. I forgive you for for sacrificing yourself to them. But you must answer me now. Am I on the right path? Am I nearer to finding you? He has the House of Kings as allies. His raids on the reef have forced Petra to pull back, consolidate, focus on protecting her citizens instead of collaborating with the Guardians. But is he any closer to Mara? Has he... Can he trust himself to do this? He always wanted to surprise Mara, to make her recalculate her plans. But it would help him so much to know that she foresaw a little of this, to be certain that he's headed the right way. Mara, he cries, blinking against the persistent soreness in his eye. Sister, have you forsaken me? And something answers him. And that's the end of that card. So this is uh this is post Red War. This is post uh Destiny Two base campaign, which unfortunately is no longer available in game. But long story short, Gaul came to the system. We got our asses kicked. Uh, then we came back from it. 
kicked his ass. Yep. Uh, the takeaway for that in relation to the reef is that to get to us, he had to go through the reef first. And yep. while he didn't do the same fire and brimstone he did to the last city, uh, he certainly didn't leave the reef unscathed either. Nope. Uh, so yeah. So um, Aldrin's throughout this whole thing. Aldrin is is very. I I feel like he's very conflicted here. Like he 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 wants to know that like it, and and it's it's more stated kind of towards the end of it that uh, he always wanted to do a surprise Mara to make her recalculate her plans. But it's 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 almost like he still wants to know that there's just just a little bit of like oh yeah I totally knew you were gonna do that to know that he's on that right path and he's he's very lost mm-hmm. very very lost. Uh. So yeah, and and still, um, and it brings it up here at the end too. Uh, Mara, he cries, blinking against the persistent soreness in his right eye. So that what that little twinge of yep. of still there. thing that's poking him is still there. It's it's been with him this whole time. Uh, so yeah, and I, I think it's worth pointing out here that Aldrin has been doing terrible things against his own people he has been raiding supply ships like trading ships that are going from the reef to earth um he's been actively killing awoken citizens that are in the uh in the reef forcing petra to kind of like consolidate and and wall off uh her people and the reef from interacting with anything else out of fear of this unknown retaliation. Uh, yeah. This is kind of their in-game explanation at this point for why um, the Awoken pretty much did not make contact with the tower after the Taken War uh, until Forsaken. Like that entire period of time in the Destiny universe, um, the Awoken never really came into play again. Nope. I I mean obviously the the part of it is like they're very much a broken people like oh yeah but but even even here to like to see Aldrin like completely forsaken his own people like yeah and he saw Petra making any attempt to parlay with the city as like her uh being traitorous almost like bl- like blasphemous like yeah. I I think it's even beyond like traitor it's it's it I I bring it back to that cult idea like if she if she joins in with the with the the traveler wannabe things that she's she's literally she's blaspheming her her own people. Yeah. So he is uh, he is seeing this as much a punishment as anything else, and he justifies it to himself as um, well. Mara was always willing to make sacrifices. She she always saw her people as just a, a chess piece to be used as needed. So. Why should I feel bad about doing the same? Uh, yeah. Now I, speaking, you know, outside of Aldrin's little head cannon that's happening here, I think that is observedly false. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and and because mainly because Aldrin never knew the like the full plan. Like all he right, saw yeah. was at the surface level. Oh, she just flew a, a, her whole f- people into this thing got everyone got killed and that's it like that was 
you know, like what the hell kind of existence is that in Aldrin's mind? Yeah, and this is this is still the you know the the psyche of a a madman or a man going mad trying to justify these terrible actions he's been doing, um, and why you know it's not really his fault or it's not really so bad that he's you know doing these things because it's all in pursuit of this greater good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's it's been like a um a slow spiral, right? Like ever since his his venture to the Black Garden, his mind has just been I ravished, like shredded. I don't I don't like even when we talk to him, the few times that we do interact with him in D1, he he very much is kind of like the he doesn't seem like he's all there anymore. And so for him to to kind of take this idea of like oh yeah whatever it's you know it, it's I I can just use these people the way Mara did yeah it, it's it, it this is this is a madman talking this is this is a this is a man using just insane ideas for justifications that shouldn't be that way yep um so and say we're gonna get right into the next card here which is fanatic part two of the the same lore book um and it goes like this just a whisper just a brush of reassurance just a quiver aldrin my rescuer he follows the voice the violence of his thruster burns bruises his body down from the tumbling corvette to the harnessed asteroid below where scattered servitors and the wreckage of shanks mark the site of a losing battle guardians ambushing a fallen party his suits chemoceptors detect a trace of ether he follows it in and there it is a fallen archon crumpled in the dust ether hisses through the entry and exit wounds cauterized by brutal solar flames the mark of the golden gun. Aldrin hisses in disgust as he traces guardian footprints in the dust. They must have sprinted off together in a rush, no doubt to farm some other site where skiffs were coming down with mining parties. He triages the Archon's wounds. Mortal. The victim is shaking now, trembling under Aldrin's hands. He wants so badly to do something, anything, to ease the poor soldier's passing. To have the power to say his sister, to have the power some say his sister had, to save just by proximity. Does he wish it? Does he wish to save this poor thing? He does. He does. His eyes burn with sympathetic tears as he works to bind the Archon's wounds. His hands are quick and gentle, and he weeps with the strength of his hatred for the guardians that did this. As tears stain the Archon's wounds, the ether roiling through Aldrin's fingers slowly grows heavier, darker, more noxious. He does not notice. Finally, he leans back to smear his knuckles across his eyes, sore, they're always so sore. Under the unmarked helmet, four dead eyes open in wonder. The Archon croaks a word, a broken leftover of a dying hallucination, 
calling out to whoever he wanted to see, welcoming, welcoming him into the afterlife. Dad? And that's the end of that card. I, it, I want to say pretty self-explanatory what's happening here, <laughs> but uh, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and break it down. I, I think there's a few um, things we can point at that that maybe ought, uh, require a little more. Sure, sure. I okay. I guess I guess very self-explanatory to somebody who has been reading the lore pretty um, habitually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so uh, if it's not apparent from the title of this card being Fanatic, the Archon in question here is Fickrel, who was the uh, first of the Scorn, and this is him being reborn as a Scorn, essentially. There's two, there's kind of like two parts to it, right? Like, the first part is, does he wish it? Does he wish to save this poor thing? Yeah. He does, he does. That's straight up Ahamkara. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, Riven is now hearing his wish. And it, and at this point in time, take, a taken Riven is now hearing his wish and is starting to grant it in the way that a taken Ahamkara would. And the ether that's, that's being poor. So presumably, this archon is dead. He it it died. Mm-hmm. Like it is not alive. There's there's nothing left of it. But in in Uldren's mind, or or through his his the tears from his, him rubbing his eyes raw, uh, because they're so sore. They're always so sore. Uh, he wish he he thinks he sees some sort of life in this thing and and wishes for it to come back and. And so, in monkey paw magic way, the 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 darkness, the takenness of Riven mixes with the ether and breathes this dead fallen back to life uh, in the form of the first scorn, Fickrel the fanatic. Yeah, and to 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 paint a little bit of a picture here, how I see this particular scene play out in in the theater of my mind, I from forsaken cutscenes. Uh we know that Aldrin has like this swirling black mist in his eyes. Um and I what I see when I read this uh is Aldrin, you know, kneeling before maybe kind of cradling the the body of this archon trying to bind some of the wounds, uh, weeping. And to me, maybe it's just flavor, you know, for, for my personal interpretation of the scene, but I see him crying like black tears, literal tears of darkness. And absolutely these tears fall onto the wounds of this archon, uh, where, you know, ether is leaking out. And, uh, it is that is is the moment where they mix and you get the first dark ether which yep. is what the the scorn run on essentially cuz ether and we've theorized this before in in some of our very older episodes ether is is either ether is 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 essential to a fallen like it's yes, they almost absolutely. have to breathe it like an atmosphere 
we th we think that it's part like we think that it's part of their original atmosphere and that's what, from their original planet and that's what's required for them to breathe for them to to exist almost like a fish out of water type thing mm -hmm. um and so for this to be dark ether like that's that's kind of like what a scorn needs to be a scorn is it's it, a scorn is a dead fallen um just as much as we guardians are dead beings that has been brought back to life by the power of these of this dark ether which is essentially um it, can we call it dark res i mean can we call it darkness res it's hard to say because in some cases like that of fickrel they retain their their mind to a point so so here and and okay, I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly where I was going with this. For the light, you lose your memory. The darkness is all about retaining it, and that's why I question if it is a dark res. The the thing that makes me pause as to exactly how this is working is when we go back when we look at normal scorn you know scorn that are just of dregs or vandals or whatnot uh sure especially as how they're described in like the glycon story they're not mind they're they're mindless they have no individual minds they all respond sure. to like some shared will where they receive orders from whoever it is that's directing the shared consciousness. Almost, almost like they're operating on the last thing, the last order they were given. Exactly, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm still going to call it Dark Res because I like that idea. I mean, like this is, it this did. Is the, this is the darkness power of the Res. But then, like, would the darkness need a reason for resing? You know, like, that's, that's like, the whole point of the light is to create complexity. And I, I don't want to say the light is is kind of like the life giver the the bringing it back but it, even the even the witness talks about life the light as being like never ending suffering and and death like all the light brings is death because that's what's required of it like so it's it's interesting to me to see this from like the other side of it like what if there is a dark res what if what if darkness powers as a res is a, is a thing well, and the other thing, we we have not seen this phenomenon happen with darkness in any other species or uh or or prior to this. This may not be purely a darkness res. This may be something to do with the nature of I, I see it either being one of two ways. This is something to do with the nature of awoken being a combination of light and dark inherently. And so maybe even Ooh. though it's it's primarily dark, whatever it is that Aldrin is is uh you know crying, what whatever his tears are made yeah. out of, maybe he has a touch of both. Oh, that's so good. Oh man, that's so good. I like that. And the the other piece of this that we can't ignore is the fact that this is a this is a granted wish. It's a wish, right? Like that's like like and wish magic is neither light nor dark. It's just kind of there. So it could be that normally this wouldn't affect ether in this way, or maybe yeah. it is that pure dark 
wouldn't affect ether in this way but because a wish was made it, it you know it tipped those those uh those scales the scales of fate to be like not nah, a little there's a little mix going on or you know whatever the, like the specific combination that was needed to have this result was was because of that wish i like it i freaking love it I love it. I freaking love it. I, that's so good. That is so good. So, but for anyone that uh, maybe has recently started the game, uh, with even you know maybe with Witch Queen or something, you came back to it um, and wondered why in the latest season, uh, the the nightmare of Aldrin and Crow are discussing why the Scorn call him father. This is why. Because he is this is the exact reason he is literally the the progenitor of all scorn is Aldrin. Boom. So yeah, so Fickrel uh, Fickrel is reborn. I don't want to say born because right, he reborn. was still Fickrel before, um, but he's yep. he's now been reborn as a scorn instead of an Elixni. I uh, and uh, and. I find it interesting that Aldrin was drawn to this body, was drawn to this fallen that he just so happened to turn into the first scorn by the the whispers of Mara, by this voice in the dark that he was following that sounded like his sister. Um, so perhaps even him meeting Fickrel uh, was because of of Riven, because it was a step in this grander wish that she was needing to fulfill. Yeah. But, so, we're going to now go on to uh, the next page within this book, uh, which is called The Severance. Um, and it's continuing our story of, of Aldrin. And uh, it goes like this. He has come to the realization that it no longer matters if he doesn't know what to do or if he's doing the right thing. What matters is that he wants. If he wants to find Mara and save her, if he wants to do the right thing fiercely enough, if his intentions are good and powerful, he will find a way. He just has to believe in himself. No more paralyzing analysis. No more painful regrets. He has to go forward without doubt. The Awoken are a beautiful creation, and he must keep them safe. And secrets are safe. Sister, he asks the wall of his quarters. Lately, in between bouts of euphoria, he's been sleeping too long. Sometimes it takes him an hour to get to his feet. Another hour to make himself don his armor. Wasn't living easy once? Couldn't he just do things just by wanting them? The spark has gone out of him. The spark of the possibility of Mara's trust. And he needs it back. Come home, the wall tells him. It's time to come home and take your crown. He leaps to his feet. Yes, he wants something again. Wants more than to lie here numbly. 
He wants to show his face to his awoken people. He wants the fanfare played at his welcome. He wants to make a speech accepting the kingship. He wants to terrify and stir his people with the ferocity of his need to save Mara. The awoken have survived so much. He will tell them that they do not need to survive anymore, that the end is coming, the end of the long plan. He goes to the catch's bridge. What news from the reef? He barks. A shank casts the sound into his ears. Petra's voice. Petra, who dares to try to replace what does not need replacing. Cade, the targets are in the crater now. My fire teams are in blocking position. Whoever you've got, call them in. Guardians. Petra and the Guardians working together. Did Mara ever want this? Aldrin thinks not. Is it possible that he's too late? That the Awoken are no longer Awoken? Lulled by the absence of his sister into the Traveler's trance? Set a course for the Vestian outpost, he snaps, rubbing at his eyes. Prepare skiffs for a camouflaged insertion. We'll put an end to pet... What are you doing? A captain of the king's growls in his ear. The House of Kings is very satisfied with the state of the awoken demesne. I have to look that word up. And if we were and if we interfere, we will certainly attract guardians. Insubordination. She would have never tolerated this. Ah, Aldrin says, careful to keep his voice light. Yes, of course. The itch in his eyes resume, and he discovers that he has a new desire, a new thing he fiercely wants. And that's the end of that lore card. Well, so first things first, you got a word to Google. <laughs> I mean, it it means like home or abode or whatever, but like I can't say it. Uh, de, 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 demesne? Demesne? Uh, whatever. It means de, de, possession of property uh, or land attached possession. to an owner. Uh, okay. So yeah, like it just another. It's a fancy word for you know the awoken, the awoken uh, and dang dang old fancy words right. and shits. The awoken <laughs> lands. Yeah. So well, it's got to it's got to be a fancy word because it's regal, right? right like right. that's the right, right. <laughs> but so in short, um, we're seeing some really major mood swings here with Aldrin. Oh my god! Like well, and I think it start like. I forgot to to ask you about this before. A couple of cards back, it talked about him using ether. Is he like it? Is he smoking ether? Uh, oh yeah, uh, that is absolutely the implication. <laughs> like he is getting high? Question mark yeah. off ether. I don't know what effect ether has on people, I'm, but yeah, I'm assuming hallucinogenic effects. So um, he is looking for escapes, essentially um yeah at, at that point in time and even now we're seeing kind of like manic depressive episodes oh yeah where he he can't get out of bed it takes him an hour just to put his clothes on 
you know, wasn't living easy once that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And then he'll suddenly have a thought and that thought will, will fill him full of energy and he leaps to his feet. And his thought this time around was like, I'm going to go back to the awoken people and I will be their King. And I will, you know, everyone will love me that I'm there and I will herald in this great search for, for Mara and we'll bring her back. Uh, And he's so excited about this. And he, he runs to the bridge of the catch and says, you know, what news do we have of, from the reef? And he's greeted with Petra allying with the guardians to corner and uh, either imprison or eliminate um, what uh, are presumed to be a, a, a group of Elixni, perhaps fallen, you know, fallen from a different house or something. Um, and he sees this as the ultimate betrayal, you know, pet Mara never trusted the traveler. She wouldn't want us working with guardians. Uh, this is, you know, this is an, an affront to everything she stood for. Um, and he's telling them like, prepare the skiffs. We're going to go to the outpost. I'm going to put an end to Petra. And he's getting, he's getting some talk back from the captain of the of the uh, catch who's like now everything's good like this is working out really well for for the fallen houses right now like like maybe don't maybe don't do this yeah like we're doing really well let's not start a little mini war by trying to invade what's left of the awoken reef um and I love I love Aldrin's instantaneous answer. Insubordination. <laughs> you little shit. I should burn you. And then instantly like, ah, no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the swing of this mood is for anyone <laughs> for anyone that has seen it. Uh, and I know it's it's gotten much more popular as of late. Aldrin is really, really channeling some Homelander for me right now from uh, the TV show The Boys. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, that is the vibe I'm getting from him right now. I like it. I really like it. But he, I mean, he really is. He's all over the place. And throughout the whole thing, he wants, he wants, he wants. Like, it. he's scratching at his eye again yeah. and a new desire, a new fierce thing. Like and that's, Riven is in full control of him now. That's the whole first paragraph is him saying like, no, if I, if I just want something hard enough, it'll happen. Yep. And, and he's, he's attributing that as like, it's because I'm, if I want something hard enough, I'm believing that I can do it and I'm having confidence in myself. And so I make it happen where really it's like, he's just a buffet for Riven right he, now. Yeah. Oh my god, yes. Like <laughs> it's it's just nonstop feeding time. So yeah. So but he has a new want at the end of this card. And uh I think we can probably guess as to what that is. So uh with that in mind, we're gonna go to the next card, which is entire entitled Fickroll. And it goes like this. The Archon he saved is named Fickrel, and he worships Aldrin like a father and a god. Aldrin understands, now, what brought them together. They each see a future for their broken people, 
a future that cannot be obtained by looking back. Fickrell tells Aldrin how the fallen have been crippled by their dependency on machines, how they've clung to tradition instead of hurling themselves into the abyss, seeking rebirth through extinction into a new species. I feel the same, Aldrin tells Fickrell, whittling a tiny model galliot from an ingot of steel. We say we exist on the thin line between dark and light, Fickrell, but my people have always been easily led astray. What future do you see for the Awoken? Fickrell asks him. What future? After he finds and saves Mara, he realizes he doesn't care. He spent so many centuries stalking the perimeter of Awoken society, fighting off challengers, spying, sneaking, doing Mara's dirty work. Nothing has value except in its relation to Mara's plots. Not even himself. They can die for all I care, he says with a viciousness he never expected of himself. Didn't he want to save his people? No. No, Mara was willing to destroy them for her purposes. The Awoken have no value at all except in service of her design. If some part of them survives, it will be the worthy part, he says. Does he wish for Awoken extinction? Is that what he truly wishes? We have work to do, he tells Fickrell. The House of Kings has become... uh, Inconvenient to my plans. I wish to... He wags his knife. Divest. Fickrow looks up sharply from his own knives. Dark ether seethes like mists around his face. It is time? We show them the future now? And that's where that lore card ends. Oh my god, his, his, he is all over the place. First off, who the hell is whittling out of an ingot of steel? <laughs> Apparently Aldrin. <laughs> I want this fucking ability! Like, whatever. But he is all over the place. He is just... There is no direction in him anymore. Mm-mm. It's, you know... Didn't he want to save his people? No, 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 no. Marta was willing to throw them all away. That's what he wants. Like, he's, he, fuck them. They're, you know, who cares? If they survive, it's going to be the parts that matter. And outside of that, who cares? And then, like, does he really wish for this? Does, is that what he truly wish it? Like, now I, I do think it's, it's important. He never answers that question. Yeah. You know, yep. Does he wish for Awoken Extinction? Is that what he really wishes? That's 100% Riven looking to to feed on something yep and i think if he had actually answered yes there may not be any awoken in the game i i think you're right i think the awoken would have been wiped out as of forsaken like i i think you're right because he doesn't directly answer riven like and that's that's the thing with like ahamkar wishes right like they they're not like they're not like genie wishes, right? Like you don't like rub a, rub an ahamkara bone and a thing pops out, and you're just like, I wish for a million bucks. It's it's like you have to have that desire, and it it it's the desire itself that it feeds off of, and that's what it's granting those wishes off of. And it's not 
it's not necessarily granting wishes. It's it's very much of a shifting magic bullshit is what it like nobody really has an explanation for it. Um but that it's it's there, there there's not a direct, you know, cause and effect thing because it, it's it's magic. It's it's wishing magic. Like it's yeah, for some ahak ahamkar reason. <laughs> uh but yeah, it, but the fact that he doesn't truly acknowledge that question, like it, I I think you're right. I think if if he had acknowledged that, we might have seen the end of the Awoken. I I'd like to believe that the reason why he decides to deflect, and and think about something else, the the House of Kings being becoming an inconvenience, is because there's still some part of him in there that recognizes that thought as like truly not his thought as, as something that he would not uh, want. And I was going to say, he's not himself enough to reject it. So he deflects, deflects onto something else. I, I I was going to say, do do you think that he still thinks of uh, himself as the hero or, or does he, do you think at this point in time he he still thinks of his of his friend Jolien? Like, no, I mean he he said it himself. He doesn't care anymore. That's true. He he doesn't care if the Awoken live or die. He certainly doesn't care what they think of him. Um, man. So I I think like he he has lost that part of his persona at this point. He doesn't care if he's the hero for the Awoken people. He just wants to be the hero for Mara. See, kids, this is this is what Dark Ether does to you. Do not do in any drugs are bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but he gives a very clear uh, indication to Fickrell about like, yeah, these House of Kings have served its purpose. Uh, and it's interesting. Fickrell has this idea, maybe one that is placed there because of his tie to darkness. Now we don't really know what Fickrell was like before this. Um, but Fickrell has this philosophy of the Elixni should just go extinct so that they can become something else. And I, I feel like it, referring to scorn in in this instance. Right. Well, and I was going to ask that like and and at the very last line, do we show them the future now? Is it time? Like I is is there some sort of like secret plot or plan between Fickrel and Aldrin that Aldrin has straight up said, "Hey, we're just going to kill them all and bring them all back the way I brought you back with you know being a of uh, being the scorn rather than um fallen i think that i think that's the implication is that like they've talked it out their philosophies align you know aldrin's yep. like the awoken need to be eradicated or eradicated to the point that whatever survives evolved into something else and fickrel has the same idea for for the elixni for the fallen and they're you know aldrin is now saying like hey you know what house of kings not working out let's uh let's evolve them into something greater 
And uh, I think that's exactly what it is, is Fickrell is going, all right, this is this is the test run, essentially. Drugs are bad, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, so we get a that's little, all I'm going to say on that. We get a little piece of what this test run looks like in the next lore card, which is entitled Docking. And it goes like this. Honorless at the end, gasps the former Kell of Kings. Faithless and false, your sister's will kept us from the great machine Aldrin Sov. She challenged the wolves by right of noble lineage, but you, you skulk in shadows and filth. You hide behind your bruises like a dreg. Funny you should mention that, Aldrin sneers. He knows he's sneering, but this worthless thing deserves it. What did the Kell of Kings ever want? To go backward. More servitors, more machines, more of the past. Aldrin sees now that extinction is the only beginning. That the bones of what you become can act more powerfully than the flesh of what you leave behind. Fickrell. Shattered servitors and dead fallen loom in ether-frosted mounds behind Fickrell. He comes forward silently, hulking, horrific, his headdress gritting out the firelights into blocks of shadow and smoke. He carries two shock daggers. We are the last of our kinds, Aldrin tells the Kell. My sister is gone. So is the idea of your great machine. The difference between us, he leans in to hiss. My sister's coming back. And in four swift cuts, the Archon of the Scorned Barons docks the Kell of Kings. Aldrin tears the House of Kings sigil hanging from the new dreg's belt and holds it high for all to see. The kings are dead. Long live the king, comes Fickrell's reverent growl. And that's the end of that card. So for those of you that don't know what docking is, uh, please don't Google it. It's, <laughs> dude, it's, you, you're going to get a lot of really... Just don't do it. Uh, in this sense, uh, docking is the act of... When you, when you look at Fallen and you look at uh, Vandals and Dregs and Marauders and Captains, you'll notice that Dregs are the only one of them that have two arms. All the rest of them uh, have four arms. Uh, and docking is the act of removing two of those arms. Uh, and they do this to keep the dregs, uh, to keep like the lower um, fallen in line. And it's like it's almost like a punishment. It's like a it's it's a it's a and it's a, it's a fallen punishment because later on, and this is way later. This is um, when we finally start meeting up with uh, Mithrax. Um, he talks about he talks about a docking is like it's a fallen thing. It's not an elixir th- thing. It is purely a fallen thing, even though fallen are elixni, they are like the fallen. I put that in quotation marks. Uh, elixni, uh, they are no longer like true elixni anymore. Um, but they can grow them back. They they are very insectoid like that. That you know, 
You, I guess it wouldn't be insectoid, would it, Myth? It'd be more like an earthworm. Yeah, I mean, we could speculate all day as to the the nature Anatomy. of the fallen, but uh, <laughs> say it's an emotion yeah, series. That's so. the whole thing. <laughs> but that, but that's that's the whole thing. Is is like he's cutting off his arms to be like, you are no longer anything to me. You are you're you're nothing but dreg. You're filth to me. Is what Aldrin's doing this for? Yeah, he's he's usurping command in a very uh, symbolic and um, intentionally like brutal way. He's he's proclaiming himself the the king of the fallen in some ways, or the king of the fallen under say, his command at least. I was gonna say this is a very Kel way of doing it. Yeah. Yes, it I, is. I I very much see this as as Aldrin seeing himself as like. Well, you know that's how the Kells do it, and that's how I'm going to claim my my rightful throne of the of these fallen. I'm going to do it the way the Kell does it, so they see me as a Kell. They see me as that brutal leader. That you know, if you you fuck with me, I'm you're getting docked, like, and not like you're getting docked next week's pay. You're losing an arm or two. So now that he has usurped the Kell of Kings and has truly taken power. Uh, for all of these um, fallen that are are under his command. He sets out to do what he was originally going to do before having to deal with insubordination. And that is find Petra. And we see a very brief interaction between them in the next card, which is just titled Petra. And and real quick before you jump into that one, uh, this one and the and the next card after it, flayed. I I want you to read both of those uh, back to back. Yeah. Okay. Because they're they're they're, it's the same scene being played out in both of them, or at least I think it is. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty it is. sure it is, from two different points of view. Yeah. So we're gonna start with Petra, and then we'll go right into flayed. Um, and I'll. I'll note when one ends and the other begins, but um, so yeah, this is the uh, the Petra card, and it goes like this. After that, Aldrin and Fickrel part ways for a time. Fickrel, grow- Fickrel goes to his bloody work, reshaping fallen society the way a hammer reshapes a spider, and drawing certain useful elements to him. Aldrin resumes his lonely search for Mara. He remembers a time long ago, scouting with the crows, scouting with a young corsair who wanted nothing more than to be defined by her wrath. Perhaps Petra can be saved. He finds her in Thieves' Landing. What is she doing here? Mara never would have stooped to this trading information with a criminal in the lowest places of so few of us remain he tells her and in that moment seeing the shame in her he knows she is too far gone she cannot be saved that night he weeps for petra mara comes to him in the darkness she has heard his sorrow he looks up in wonder his sister, sending her will and wisdom to watch over him. And he knows then that it will be all right. 
that's the end of the Petra card. We're going to roll right into the next one, uh, which is entitled Flayed. And it goes like this. Spider's Lair. Petra in her element. Light-footed, light of thought. She keeps herself open to the place. Heat of packed bodies and machinery. Bite of ether in the air. Money and the promise of money and the things money can make people do. Knives, pistols, danger, like static charge. He's no good for you, she says, and he's no good for me. If you turn him over, I'll be happy. You like me happy, don't you, spider? The spider grumbles. Very well. You will take him alive? He must have stores of ether, and no matter what Varric says, that ether is mine. He's agreed. She has what she came for, which is proof that the spider actually wants this capture to succeed. As regent, she can never tell when she succeeds. She's constantly reacting, making decisions that will only be clearly assessed by historians. Here, she is the wrath again. She feels brave. We'll deal with the ether once we have him. Thank you for the information. Petra slides the hood over her head and dismisses herself back into the crowd. Two dregs barter salvage with tokens like fingernail-sized knives. Slatted light falls through the thick clouds of adulterated ether to cut hard lines across the torn, bannerless fringes some of the fallen wear. A cabal deserter, hunched against the wall in a baggy pressure sack, sells the location of Red Legion arms caches for loads of raw glimmer. Petra pauses for a moment on the threshold, looks back longingly at the chaos within, wishes that anything would happen to make her stay. And then she goes out into the shadows of the surface. Soon, as clear as the visions that sometimes come to her, she knows there's something moving quick and stealthy up ahead. She keeps her pace steady, checks her knife and pistol. So few of us remain, Petra Venge. The voice betrays a bearing, and she catches just a glimpse of structure against the background noise, the hood of a cloak, the arc of lips. Who's there? she challenges. It's a man. His movements are erratic, shrouded, an arrhythmic noise that mimics the chaos of nature. He knows how to seem like an accidental thing, a tumbled heap, a brush of wind. Petra, if only we could go back to those days before. Aldrin? She gasps. He's here. He has come to take the regency and execute his sister's will. She'll be free again to act and act without cruel deliberation and agonizing uncertainty. Free to meet every challenge instead of making them for herself. No. This must be an illusion. It's too much of everything she wants. She searches with senses beyond sight for something capable of casting this into her mind. A scion flare? A hive wizard? She trusted you with all of this all of us, and you gave it to the mercy of the light. She feels the intent to murder, and she knows it's meant for her, 
She draws and acquires the target faster than a sound can cross from mind to tongue, but her sight picture captures only darkness. Two slow heartbeats. When no shot or knife comes, she begins to withdraw, and nothing follows her to her ship. And that's the end of that lower card. So yeah, definitely. Uh, it it's interesting. I I I think I personally like Petra's side of this. Like, for her to to hear the voice of Aldrin and think, oh, thank God, I don't have to be Regent anymore. I can just be the Wrath again. I can be because she definitely. I mean, throughout that whole second card, she very much feels comfortable as the Wrath, being the Regent, being a leader. And and that's that's a hard thing for anyone. Like to become a leader when you didn't necessarily want it, but it was just thrust upon you. Like, mm-hmm. guess what? You're you're the next highest in the chain of command. Go for it. And and that was and again to to try to draw some parallels to to the real world. That was a lot of what of what uh, both Allied and Axis forces saw throughout World War II. Was you know tank you know tank rolls through or a couple artillery shots roll through your commander dies guess what you're the next highest in the squad now you're in charge and a lot of these and and again i still think of petra as very young and in the same sense in world war ii these were very young guys that were they i mean 18 19 year old kids 17 18 year old 19 year old kids they they didn't have a clue what leadership meant and so but but they knew they could fight and they they felt comfortable in the fight and so that's I I I personally really sympathize with Petra's uh, thoughts here, um, at least in the flayed card. Yeah, and it, it's really it's it's almost it's kind of heartbreaking to see the difference between these two cards. To see in Petra's eyes, going oh, a glimmer of hope, Aldrin is is here, and he's going to take control of he's going to you know take control of the monarchy and lead these people again and on aldrin's side of things he's he's here because he sees petra as nothing but this this great traitorous you know this person that has squandered leadership and sacrificed all the awoken people were to uh to the guardians and to the city um and you know is is so disappointed in her and decides she cannot be saved uh to to see kind of that stark difference in the same situation uh is really it's, like it's, it, it tugs at you a little bit it's heartbreaking it's absolutely heartbreaking so but despite him thinking she's beyond saving and despite her clearly feeling like he was gonna try and kill her he doesn't he retreats calculated retreat i think is what the or or no what what do they call that tactical tactical advancement in the opposite (laughs) direction I I don't know that that's the case here. Just because I, I he think had the tactical retreat. advantage, like he absolutely did. He as the and it even talks about like he moves about with the with the the chaosness of nature as he's stalking her. I mean, this is the old school Aldrin Sov 
versus like remember the fighting the fight between mm-hmm. Aldrin and uh, uh, um, Shiraido when he was he was he was so hell bent on on being with nature and and Shear was able to like just kick him out of his element by like throwing him off his trail and stuff. This is this is the old school Aldrin the hunter the 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 sniper the 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 badass coming out like yeah no he's he absolutely had the tactical advantage here he could have killed her if he wanted to i think i think so but something stopped him yeah so uh and we get a little glimpse into kind of where his thought process is going here um in our next card uh and this one is titled free part one and it goes like this admit it admit that you trapped my sister in the dreaming city i did not illin says she is not trapped aldrin she is dead aldrin knows the truth now And he wants things to be right. He wants it so fiercely that he knows nothing he does in pursuit of this can be wrong. Which lies, he spits, venomous. She is alive. Ilan measures him in silence for a while. And then, We knew you would come, she tells him with a quiet, calm defiance. You're lost, Aldrin. You knew I'd come, but you never searched for me. My sister would take your eyes for that. Your sister needs nothing from us now, Aldrin. Not even you. The rage is almost enough to make him kill her. But he knows Mara wouldn't approve. She's with him now. She is substantial, if not corporeal. And she dances at the edge of his sight. You are so close, she whispers. Free me from this place, Aldrin Sov. You've gone mad, Ilan says with repulsive empathy. I almost did too when I knew she'd gone. Why do you travel with that thing? What have you come to do? I've come to finish it, Aldrin tells her. He even tries to smile because he is being honest. He's telling the truth. I've realized I was a fool to try to surprise her. We all exist through her design, Ilan. We all act by her consent. I'm going to save her, because she needs me to save her. When she needs me to die, I will die. And when she has completed her great design for the Awoken, the Awoken will die too. It is the reward we so richly deserve, for we owe everything to Mara. It would be wrong for us to outlive our purpose. Trust me, life without her is worse than... worse than... He chokes on it. He can't describe it. At the edge of sight, Mara watches him with all the heartbroken concern and tender care he has always wanted from her. And that evening, he surrenders himself to the reef. And that's the end of that lore card. He's he's so convinced at this point. Like he's he's there. There's no more. I I don't want to say there's there. It, it, I, like his mind is gone. Like there, there 
I feel like there's there, like there's still a little bit of them here. Like like obviously in the, in like the the Petra and, and the Flay, like we still talk to him like that's the old school Uldren there, but his mind is gone. And uh it's not just whispers anymore. It's not just hearing things. He is full on seeing her. He is full he on He sees her. He sees Mar. Hallucinating her and she's talking to him. Um which is just further feeding into this this delusion of his is like no she's in the dreaming city you you guys locked it not because there's bad things in there but because you're trapping her in there and that that line you're so close she whispers free me from this place Aldrin soft it it's so telling as to who is saying that line mhm because of the last word, Aldrin Sov, Mara never, never would have said that to him. No, no, she she's Mara's, used his his first name before. She's called him Aldrin, but she never in anything we've no. seen have has she used a full name. And it would never be that direct of a message. Yeah, because she like that's the thing with Mara. She hated commu- She hated the spoken word. It was, she said, she always said it was such a poor communication device of, or such a poor uh, encryption device. Like it's so telling is who is whispering into him. So and say, uh, we are going to end tonight with uh, the next lore card, which uh, also is the end of the Forsaken Prince lore book. Uh, this lore card is free part two. And it uh, talks about the events of Aldrin immediately uh, after he surrendered himself to the reef. And it goes like this. They take him in with a full strike team. And one of the snipers, joining Aldrin and his jailers at the extraction point, looks him full in the eyes like he's asking a question. A tall man with a long rifle. Narrow, intelligent eyes. Handsome. Is he... Did Aldrin want something from him once? Something important? Aldrin absently rubs his eyes as he stares at him and frowns, but he can't figure it out. They take him to a discreet landing dock on one of the lower levels of the Prison of Elders. When his containment unit hisses open the glow and the mist silhouette, An exo with glowing blue eyes and a woman with her weapon drawn, Petra herself. She stands there in silence. He knows she wants to kill him. He knows she wishes him to say, you've done well. She speaks to you. Her words are curt and direct. What does she say? Aldrin closes his eyes and lets Mara's voice wash through him. He is here in the heart of Petra's strength, in the prison she has so carefully tended as everything else falls apart. He is weak and he is bound. These are the strengths his sister never possessed. The endurance of humiliation. The survival of defeat. She says... He lifts his head to meet her gaze and watches her flinch. She holds him in her weapon sights as she withdraws, step by careful step 
The Exo steps forward to hood him with a black bag. She says, Free me. And that's the end of the lore card. So, a couple figures here to point out. Uh, the sniper's got to be Jolian. Absolutely. Like, if that's not Jolian, like, <laughs> you can't convince me otherwise. So, it's very fitting that Jolian is there at his capture. Um, the Exo. That's Cade. That is Cade. Cade six. Uh, so yeah, we were we were trying to figure this out uh, before we started tonight's episode of how did Cade come into play with the entire Forsaken expansion, and we we had we had figured out that the Barons there are all part of the old um, Tanix crew, and Tanix. Uh, <laughs> the the whole joke. Name five raid bosses. Tanix. Okay, yeah, no, that's on me. I I failed. Yeah, no, that's because he's literally been like five or six different bosses throughout Destiny. Uh, but Tanix uh had killed Andalbrask, which was the original Hunter Vanguard before Cade. Uh, and that was the that was the dare. Like that was part of the dare. Is like, you know, Cade wanted revenge for Andal, and so he helped Petra hunt all these all these barons down. All this all this stuff from Fickrel down. Um and so he's he's there too. He's there to bag uh Uldren and throw him in his cell and take him to the take him to his final holding place in the prison of elders. And then that question, you know, she speaks to you, what does she say? She says, Free me. That's not Mara saying free me. That is Riven. Because Riven has been imprisoned inside the vault that is at the at the heart of the dreaming city and that scratching in his eye is riven full on just directing him what to do now like this is all just monkey paw wish magic ahamkara bullshit <laughs> like whatever you want to call it that's what's leading him now that's what's that's what's keeping him moving forward in this in this plan this, his wants are now just reality absolutely yeah so that is where we're gonna leave things off for tonight um with aldrin seemingly surrendering himself to the prison of elders uh with the hallucinations of his sister uh, directing him to set her free um but uh we're expecting that the next episode um will likely be the last uh of this particular series so uh and after that we've got a couple ideas for what we may do um i know we do absolutely intend to cover whatever is revealed during the um destiny showcase later this month uh, only 14 more days i'm so excited i know. Uh, say work schedules may uh prevent us from being able to do any kind of like live reaction but at the very least we're going to try and aim for um later that that evening of the announcement so uh keep an eye out for that but otherwise we're we're nearly at the at the end of our our awoken story here uh so Thank you for 
for coming along with us on this this particular ride. It ended up longer than I think any of us thought it would. Uh, oh, absolutely! But it's been a ton like, of fun. I, I, what the Books of Sorrow is the only other longer, or, or <laughs> not or longer? This, no, this is this is engulfed. <laughs> this is it. This is surpassed Books of Sorrow. Books of Sorrow was what eight parts? Yeah. We're yep. this, tonight. We're recording part ten yep. of the Awoken, and we still have we at least there'll a, be an eleven. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully one more part and that's it <laughs> but yeah um yeah so again for everyone that's that's i i i was it was it hootie mcbooty that that uh that kept asking you know where's this where's this old awoken story stuff well this this is it this is us re, re getting a complete story you wanted a, you wanted a complete story well here you got it yeah. <laughs> and we still got one more part to go <laughs> Didn't know what you were asking for at the time, but uh, yeah, we're yeah. we're glad you did. I'm I'm glad we, we returned to this stuff. I love that we're able to get a a full reading in and get every single lore entry that that is relevant to this all in a single place. It, I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, and with that, then, uh, Myth, do we have any shout outs? Yep. So uh, we have had a few people. Um, uh, a few people, new people, uh, follow us on Twitter, which is awesome. Thank you very much for that. Uh, we haven't had any uh, anyone with particular comments or questions there, but that's perfectly okay. Uh, we did end up with a um, uh, review on Apple Podcasts that somebody left uh, that I want to I want to give a shout out to. Um, so they were very kind, left us a five star review. Uh, this is from Coxination Seven. Uh, I love it. I I love a good name that I have no idea how to pronounce, and Myth and I will screw it up, and I love it. Yeah. So, Coxination. Okay. Uh, they left a review saying, uh, "Great chemistry between two crazies. Uh, these guys fill my work day with their expertise of lore from the Destiny games. Uh, always witty to come up with theories and explanations that help explain what you need to know and how to understand it. Uh, so thank you, thank you for that. Oh, we we are we are definitely crazies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. I, that that really does mean a lot. Like, I, I I love that that people can that that people are coming to this podcast as a you know. The, maybe they maybe they see something in game. Maybe they'll, they maybe 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 they do open a lore entry on one of their guns or one of their armor, and it's like, well, who the hell is this that they're talking about? And they've they've gone and searched and looked, and they've stumbled across us, myth and myth and myself, and and just went down this rap went down all these rabbit holes with us. And so we we I I love doing these deep dives. I really do. Um, as again, as long as this <laughs> awoken story has been, <laughs> it's been fantastic the entire time, and I'm I'm really, I'm I'm not only looking forward to the next part because it's it's quite possibly the last in the awoken line, and and we're we're also so close to that big reveal, uh, but I I I do I look forward to this every week of us being able to to look into these entries and to get a little more insight onto onto events that you know maybe they were explained in like a cutscene or something or maybe they were like a line in a cutscene somewhere like oh yeah you remember when Cade was there doing this and then that's the only mention you have well what was this what was Cade who is Cade what is like I like those questions to be answered yeah and so, yeah I like having the opportunity and, and we have tried our best to approach uh the lore stories here especially from events that happened um 
earlier in the game than the content that's currently available. Uh, because I think it is important to, to recognize that there's a lot of new players. There's a lot of new lights that didn't experience that at all. And there's a lot of returning players that either, um, didn't play during that time period, or it's been a number of years and you just forgot some details. Uh, so I like being able to try and provide uh, a source for people in those situations to still enjoy some of those stories that they may not have been around to, to witness in person. Uh, I, I absolutely, I like, uh, being able to share that with people. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a very interesting point there too, myth. The, the, the idea that, you know, video gaming today is so much more different than it was hell, even five years ago. And, and it's constantly changing. And there's, there's constantly the thought of, of, you know, archiving, uh, video games as a as almost like from the sense of a museum standpoint and so that's i feel like we're doing that here we're 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 helping archive our experiences from these games that you can't do you can't access anymore you can't go do the red war anymore you can't do this forsaken storyline anymore you can't you can't go do the old war mind stuff you can't even go visit io io doesn't even exist in the game like there's so many things that in the in the games as a live service um uh, state that that a lot of games are in now that they are this revolt not not revolving door but they're they're this there's this constantly shifting constantly changing constantly moving the story forward and yeah it's easy to jump in from a play, from a playable standpoint to just hey i'm gonna hop on and play a few crucible matches or play a strike or whatever but then every once in a while something will catch your eye and you're just oh what is that what you know something neat will happen and, and to be able to have some type of archive like that to to access information is I, I think super, super crucial. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so we're going to wrap things up tonight. I'm just going to leave with my, uh, kind of standard, uh, closer. Um, if you would, if you enjoyed what you heard from us and you want to leave a review somewhere, uh, be it Apple or audible or wherever you can, you can do so. That would be really awesome. We, we totally appreciate that support. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, you know, leave in a comment or if you have a particular question about something and you want to get in touch with us, uh, we do have a Twitter page. It's at myths and stories Z instead of an S at the beginning of stories. Uh, you can drop that there. If you have a particularly heartwarming comment or a particularly thought provoking question, uh, you may hear yourself on a shout out in a future episode. So you can check us out there. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I have my thank you. Um, you know what? Thank you, Fickrel. If it hadn't been for you, we wouldn't have had Forsaken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that it? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Myth, anything else? That's it. All righty. Well, from all of us lore nerds to all of you guardians out there, we'll see you next week. <laughs>